what God has been driving in me is do I really understand grace? And I can't really understand grace unless I understand the wretched person I was and outside of Christ still am. You know, and there's the song Amazing Grace, and it says, you know, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. But unless you really know that wretch you were, you don't really understand how great a gift grace is. But then the Lord has taken it a little bit further with me in that, as I said, we're full of grace, right? Grace upon grace. And he's challenged me, and I'll challenge you. You've got grace from the Lord, but are you known as a graceful person? A person full of grace? You know, the, the, what, what he's asked me is, do I extend grace as freely as I ex- receive grace? I want Tina, my wife, to forgive me and give me grace when I've done something wrong. But do I extend grace to her. And this week when I was praying about it, we're going to start up our D groups. And this is going to be an excellent opportunity for you to practice grace with people. You may be a leader and you got to practice grace with those that are in your group that maybe didn't do their reading, didn't didn't do whatever, you know, you've got to be you got to practice grace with them. Maybe they got to practice grace with you. But it's a great time just to, you know, remember God's gift of grace for us first. And just like we love because he loved us first, we need to demonstrate grace to one another because he's demonstrated grace to us. So that's it for the sermon. We can (laughs) enter a time of prayer. Um, And I just would encourage you, you know, certainly pray about anything that the Lord has given you in your heart. But you know, I want to kind of center for myself on just a heart of gratitude for the grace that he has given me. That's good prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you this morning um, knowing that it is only by the work of your grace, by the work of the cross, that we are redeemed from the wretched people we are. And that as redeemed souls, we get to look to eternity with you, but Lord, uh, it came at a price. It came at a cost, a cost of your life. You laid down your life that we would have grace from you, that we would receive grace upon grace. And Lord, I pray for myself, I pray for those here that we would be vessels of grace to one another And that even to a lost and dying world, when they see the grace that we extend to one another, they would see you. So let us, especially as we enter our D groups, uh, discipleship groups, as we take this time to maybe find those that don't know you and invite them into our discipleship groups, we need to have grace with them. Lord, we need to be, as I say, vessels of grace that uh, we put you on display in all of it. We thank you for this day. We pray that your spirit is here with us. We know that your spirit is indwelling in each and every one of us, and we just ask that uh, 
your presence would be felt and you would guide our time today in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you've got something you want to say, you've got a prayer request, just raise your hand. We'll get a mic in your hand and we'll go from there. Now you can't all pray at once. You gotta wave your hand, I'm old. So I was really impacted by God's grace this week. It's been a hard week, as probably everyone in here has had hard weeks. And Lord, I just, I know I need you. And so when I heard Matt Marr and that song, Lord, I need you, I recognize that every day in every way, that's got to be where we're at. So I'm just going to pray to that end. Father God, thank you that you are a God that we can come to and that we do need you. And Lord, I just pray for myself and my family and the people that hear my voice that they would come to a recognition that they don't have it on their own and they do need you. And your grace is sufficient and your word says your power is made perfect in our weaknesses. So instead of running from that, Lord, we press into that and we know that you are the author and perfecter. You're the one who makes those things perfect. You're the one who tells us we don't have to worry. We don't have to wonder and we don't have to, to cry alone. So Lord, for the people that are hurting, I just lift them up too, that, that they would recognize that you walked as a man here to experience things that we all are going through and you turn to your father. And so right now, Lord, turn the hearts of your children and this family back to you. And if for just a short time, we can have a view of heaven, give us so through your spirit today in the name of Christ, amen. This week, I've been battling bitterness and shame, um, but exceedingly so yesterday, yesterday evening. And I'm a little surprised that even though I know what it is, it's hard to shake it. Um, and it's hard to know with the spiritual gift package that God's given me. The fine line in my mind or my immaturity between bitterness and righteous anger. I don't know what that is yet. Yet. Um, and I want to know because I want to be strong in the Lord. And I want to set aside every encumbrance that wants to render me useless in God's kingdom and in his army. Um, this morning, my oldest son was uh, invited to play his guitar in the worship team of the church that we attended for six years before we came to visit here. So we went there this morning to sit and 
support him and be a part of that. And I was sassy. They block you off, you can't go in. The sign says you must wear masks. And I let my attitude spill out onto my kids. My other son had to call me on it. That comment wasn't necessary, Mom. And then it was time for worship, and it was three or four songs, 15 minutes. People clapped hands because the person up front started clapping, so they followed, but there was no joy. That I could see. I can't speak for the people that are behind their masks. You can't see who they are or... And some took them off once they were in their seats and they're spreading out and large families can't sit together unless they sit on top of each other. And um, it feels like once you know the difference, why go back? And I don't have an answer for that. But I'm confessing it because I told my kids I'm asking God to set me free but I don't know that all of the anger I feel is just because of bitterness. And so I'm sharing this because if somebody else struggles the same way or have, and you want to tell me, oh, this is the formula, because I'm a formula person, and I'd like to be able to pray that prayer once and be done with, and be discerning and say, oh, there, now uh, everything I feel is righteous anger, but I can't tell the difference right now. And I'm embarrassed by it. And yet I, I, it's wrong. So here I am, and I'm arriving here in tears, not ready to worship the way I want to be. But I also knew, and he knew, because he's like, here you go, you're raising your hand, you're going to say something now. But I know I can confess to you guys. And that's what the body of Christ is supposed to be able to do. So in, in my sin, if that's what it is, I'm laying it down. I want to be a part of the dry bones that are brought back to life. And I want to be able to be used by God and not, whatever the word, neutralized because I'm so angry at what I see in the American church. And it's not just that church, it's others. To turn people away if they don't wear a mask just makes no sense to me. Anyway, that's what I have to say. Thanks, Debbie. You want to pray for her? Okay, Debbie. And Hadassah, and Faith, and Hope, and Bethany, and Peter. While you were speaking, the Lord immediately brought this scripture to mind to pray over you. Isaiah 61, 1 and 3. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting. So they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. So Father God, I pray right now 
over Debbie, that you set her free from all of the confusion that's happening. Father, she's crying out to you to be your daughter who loves you, completely sold out for you, laying down her life for you. And so, Father, I pray right now that whatever the enemy is doing that is dropping lies in her mind right now you set her free of those in jesus name that there is the enemy's biggest battle is shame and father god there is no shame in you there is forgiveness mm -hmm. and restoration and wholeness in who you we are in christ and so father i just i pray that this morning you speak to their to her spirit Holy Spirit, that you breathe love, that you breathe wholeness, that you breathe truth into her. And Lord, I pray you breathe your peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Chris. This week, the Lord was reminding me about how good of a shepherd he is. And I just want to read a little bit about our shepherd. Uh, in John 10, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All whoever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf's coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares, not, cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. Father, we thank you that you have given us such a great shepherd. We are in such great hands, Lord, and we thank you for what you have done for us. You care for us, you know every hair that's on our head. You know every trial that we're, that we're battling. You know every deceptive thought that we wrestle with in our minds. But Lord, your word declares that we shall know the truth and the truth will set us free. So Lord, I pray that you would allow us to understand and hear the truth versus lies in the battles in our own minds that Lord, we would lay all these things down at the foot of the cross, for you are the good shepherd. You came that we would have life and have it more abundantly. So Lord, I pray that you would minister to all of us today, that you would draw us into such a closer, deeper relationship with you, that we would just fall in love with you all over again, for those who have been here for a long time, or for those who are new, 
that we would fall in love with you for the first time. For you are, for God is love. In you there is no darkness. You have nothing but love and protection for your believers, for your followers, for your sheep. So Lord, would you draw people to you, to your perfect love. May we all fall in love with you more and more today. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, just having a heart of humility has been uh, something that I've been wrestling with and, and, and just trying to remember constantly as the moment that you think that you are, <laughs> that you're humble is, is the moment that you fall away from actually being humble. And, and it's, it's a constant battle of checking yourself and going back and, and humbling yourself before God and, and never making anything of yourself. And I think that, that that's, that's something that's huge in our walk in Christ is that we need to constantly just be glorifying God not glorifying ourselves at all, not looking for any of the world in its approval or in its admiration, but rather just looking to God. You know, Galatians 1.10 talks about, uh, am I now trying to please people or am I trying to please God? If I was still trying to please people, then I wouldn't be a servant of Christ. And it's, it's hard, it's difficult. Because a lot of things that sometimes we have to do in order to glorify God don't always look great to people. So I, I just wanna I wanna lift that up in prayer. Father, I, I pray that we would make the difficult decisions, ones that are not always glorifying to ourselves ones that shouldn't be aiming to be glorifying to ourselves, but ones that are glorifying to you. Father, I pray that we can lift ourselves up and if, and if we do so in any way that we lift ourselves as a sacrifice to you. Not as something to be exalted, but something to be humbled. Father, I pray that we come to you with hearts that know just how, how much anything that is good is a gift, that we aren't worthy of anything. Father, so anything that you give, any, any, any moment of grace, anything that is, that is lovely and kind in your tender-hearted mercy, that, that, that truly is a gift. And so, Father, we should treat all our things like gifts. Father, I, I pray that you could give us an attitude that looks for opportunities to glorify your name. Ones that don't shy away from being undignified in the world's eyes. Father, that doesn't look <laughs> to, to be wise in the world's eyes, but rather looks to be foolish in the world's eyes in order to be wise in yours. Father, that we could fear you in such a way 
that is loving and reverent of all that you are in, in the completeness and fullness and perfection that we weren't deserving of but you want to share with us. Father, I, I pray that as we go out today, the next day, throughout our entire lives as we're awaiting you, that we can act like we're waiting for you. <laughs> that we don't forget anything that you've done, but that we can live our lives knowing what's important and that's you. In Jesus' name. Um, for the last two and a half years, I have been struggling with a chronic illness called fibromyalgia. And for people who do not know what that is, it is extreme pain in all of my muscles in my body. And for the past month and a half, it has been very severe. It affects my day-to-day -day life. And there are points where I cannot get out of bed. It affects my schoolwork. It affects my mental health. And it's been really, been, been struggling with it a lot recently. And I just want to pray for healing and for peace of mind that it really comes, that this pain will be taken away. And the doctors are, that um, work with me do, are running out of options um, to ease my pain. So I just want to pray for that. Lord, I lift up Caitlin to you, Lord. Um, I, I know what it is to struggle with something that the doctors don't have a lot of answers for, Lord, but I pray that she would cling to you um, as her healer, her great physician, Lord. Um, I just pray that through the power of uh, Jesus, of your blood on the cross, you say that by your stripes we are healed. And so we claim that healing for her, Lord, and I pray that you uh, would just fill her with all of you, with your Holy Spirit, um, with all of your healing power, Lord, um, that we know that you um, want life and health for her, Lord. I pray that you would give her faith to cling to that, Lord, because without, Lord, without faith, um, we're nothing. So, Lord, I pray that she would look to you, that whatever she needs to uh, learn about you in this time, Lord, that, um, that that would come through from you as power and peace and just everything that she needs from you, Lord, to fill her in healing. By the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to say praise the Lord. Even with the storms that we've been through this month, um, most of you know that on August 3rd, my husband Jack had five heart attacks, was taken to the hospital, and he's becoming his old self again. <laughs> I don't know if that's the greatest thing or not, but never mind. <laughs> anyway, um, 
he, uh, he and I both want to thank all of you for the love and all that great food <laughs> that you guys have sent over to us. Um, it's been great. Um, and on the 21st, um, I lost my only sibling left. She's gone home to heaven. And um, I just want to praise the Lord that she is no longer in pain and that he took care of Jack. When I couldn't be there because of this COVID thing, I, they wouldn't let me in. Um, that was the hardest thing to go through. Um, and I just want to say thank you to everyone. Thanks, Ginger. Lord, in Psalm 46, you say that you are near to the brokenhearted and those with a contrite spirit. So I lift up my dear sister and anyone in this room who might be brokenhearted. Lord, that is when you are near. Let them to be able to feel your presence. As we continue our time in worship, we've been worshiping in prayer, and now let's worship in song and start our moving into the next phase, but we've never stopped worshiping God this morning, and we will continue. And if, if anyone is felt led to pray during the music or any, we saw a great example last week, real quick, of you know, Taylor getting up, coming forward, and we all had an opportunity to pray for his friend. What power there is in that. So, encourage you. We're not stopping prayer. Continues out the whole time. Father, I need to pray over my own heart right now, Lord, that you will continue to work on me, Lord. Humble me, and I pray that these songs, as familiar as they may be, Lord, are not just words and music, Lord, but that they are worship for my heart. Sing praise to the King of Kings. 
morning's calling passage comes from Acts 8 verses 26 to 40 and as I read this I want you to think about the season we're entering into with D groups time to make disciples and 
What a beautiful story this is of Philip sharing the gospel with a eunuch who, on his way back to Africa, who knows what, who he shared the gospel with after that. You know, it's what I, because Philip took the time to, at the urging of the Lord, took the time to explain to this eunuch and, you know, as I said, he's on his way back to Africa into a lost country and opportunity to share the gospel. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. There we go. The first thing, he was obedient. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I understand, or excuse me, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this, like a sheep he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb before its shear is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his, in his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life was taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Ephesus. As he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. So Heavenly Father, Lord, we again thank you for the time of prayer we had this morning. We thank you for the time of worshiping you in music and worshiping you in your word and the message and even a time to worship you in fellowship with one another. And Lord, as we start up D groups, Lord, I pray that like Philip, we would simply open up the scriptures and explain the scriptures. Lord, so often we think we need to know so much more and we don't. We just need to open up your word and let your word speak just as Philip did. And the word went forth. So Lord, we commend this service to you. 
We thank you for this time. We thank you for your many provisions, including a place to worship, a place that we can gather in fellowship, but all of it would be a waste, Lord, if we didn't exalt you and raise you above all of it. For that is why we have gathered. So let us do that now in song, in word, and in fellowship. In Jesus' name, amen. I love this morning that during prayer time, there was so much rawness and realness um, coming out of you guys. And it was about when Caitlin was speaking and asking for prayer that it hit me that these next three songs, you've got to know God to be able to really sing them from your heart. And so I was burdened about who else here needs to be raw and real with himself and God because you know God's been knocking on your heart. So I do challenge you to still see them with us, even if you don't know him. But open your heart to him. Because he really wants to come in and be with you. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine, heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. Perfect submission, all is at rest. I in my Savior am happy and blessed, watching and waiting, looking above. Filled with his goodness, lost in his love. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior. All the day long, this is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. We're about to sing, Oh, what a Savior, wonderful Jesus. Don't let him just be words, sing it out to him. 
Oh, what a Savior, wonderful Jesus. Oh, what a Savior, wonderful Jesus. Death could not hold you, you are victorious, grace to the risen King. Sing it out. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior. All the day long, this is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day your heart we're searching for you want you and nothing more let your glory fill this place we're alive in your presence sing that again it's your heart we're searching for we want you and nothing more let your glory fill this place we're alive in your presence. We surrender all to you. Do what you want to. Do what you want to. God, we love to see you move. Do what you want to. Do what you want to. We are standing in your light, and our hearts are open wide. Let us see more than before. Lord, come have your way here. We surrender all to you. Do what you want to. Do what you want to. God, we love to see you move. Do what you want to, do what you want to, yeah. 
have your way here in our hearts, in our lives, in this place. Have your way, because we surrender all to you. Do what you want to, do what you want to. God, we love to see you move. Do what you want to, do what you want to. We surrender all to you. Do what you want to, do what you want to. God, we love to see you move. Do what you want to, do what you want to. sorrow and dead in my sin lost without hope with no place to begin your love made a way to let mercy come in when death was arrested and my life began ash was redeemed only beauty remains my orphan heart was given my morning grew quiet, my feet rose to dance When death was arrested and my life began Oh, your grace so free washes over me You have made me new, now life begins with you it's your endless love pouring down on us. You have made us new, now life begins with you. Released from my chains, I'm a prisoner no more. My shame was ransom, he faithfully bore. He canceled my debt and he called me his friend. When death was arrested and my life began. Oh, your grace so free washes over me. You have made me new now life begins with you. It's your endless love pouring down on us. You have made us new, now life begins with you. Our Savior displayed on a criminal's cross. Darkness rejoiced as though heaven had lost. Sing it out. But then Jesus arose with a freedom in hand. That 
God, thank you so much. As, as I hear Sean at the end, completely emptied of himself to the point where he probably was ready to pass out. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could just be that way for you all the time? That you would be the God that we know is always there. And that the things in our life that were prayed about before in the opening part of the service they're not going to arrest us. That's when our life begins, and it couldn't have been a more appropriate song. And so, Lord, today I pray that you remove anything out of the way from me that would stand in the way of other people hearing about Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and that his gospel was truth. It is truth in the lives of all the people that hear. So, Lord, I pray for those people that are listening today, if they don't know I pray that today is the day that death is arrested and their life begins. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. My name is Jeff Dawkins. I'm one of the elders. Pastor Doug is on a break with his family this week. I'm going to bring the second half of a two-part series we started on discipleship and be missional in our faith. It's going to lead us into our fall series that will take us all the way to Advent. So I know that you're going to, well, I pray that you'll get something out of today that will lead you into that conversation. So let me start by doing this. This man here is David Kennedy. David is doing sign language interpretation. And for this is the second week he's done this. I don't know if you saw it before. I wanted to let you know something. We have been convicted, his sweet wife, Shannon, and I promise I wouldn't cry, so I just can't look at her. She's hearing impaired, and they sign, and they, and they love the Lord. And what we talked about over the years, it's been three years since I met this man at retreat. We talked about over the years that there is a, an unreached community in the deaf community that, that needs the gospel the same way that we all are deaf and need the gospel before our ears and eyes are open, right? So we as a church in the name of discipleship for Jesus Christ, we have signed a contract with an ASL interpretation service. I can't look at her. 
And so starting next week, because David serves on the security team, David is going to be the ministry leader over the interpretation ministry. For Yeah, amen to that. Amen. And here's why that matters. It matters because we are bringing the gospel to a yet unreached, marginalized group of people that just need Jesus, man. Did you know that there are people, I was, when I heard this story, it broke my heart and it really impacted me into action, that there are people that Shannon knows. Listen to this. They love Jesus Christ. You know what they do twice a month? Because they can't get to a place where there's a solid gospel presented, they drive to California twice a month because people are interpreting the service and sharing Jesus Christ. Now, when you think you're having a bad day because you're tired and you're going to run a couple minutes late, anchor the word in your heart and think about what these men and women are doing just because they just want that page. They want that time and they want Jesus Christ. And we are going to be committed to discipling in that way. So that's pretty cool, right? Yeah, amen. If you have questions on this, there's going to be a lot more. And at some point, David's going to be able to come up, not today, but in the next couple of weeks, we'll probably even get David up here to explain some interesting missional opportunities. Because believe me, we're not here just to provide interpretation services out to the people watching online or to our family, but he's also going to start teaching. And we're going to start using the interpretation service to start building a relationship and a bridge into discipleship to show Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. So I just had to get that out because that's pretty cool. So the ministry opportunity that we have available to us today, again, is going to be shown. So I'm going to have a Mo Moran come up here. I got to give him a lead in because it takes him about a couple of minutes to walk up here. So I'm going to go ahead and give him a lead in here. The ministry opportunity we talk about today, remember the gospel moments we've had? I want to give Mo an opportunity. He called me this week. Now, this is crazy, right? Because this is just lucky. He doesn't know I'm preaching. He's my partner. He's my buddy. He's my pal. He's a wild man. And what he says to me is, I want to share what the Lord's done and help disciple me. <laughs> kind of aware of that because I walked hand in hand with you. So he's going to spend a couple minutes in a gospel moment quickly to tell us about that. Check. One, two. Always want to do that. No. Hey, good morning, family. My name is Mo. And for uh, some of you that don't know me, uh, I had some tremendous things happen to me in my life. And uh, the one thing that happened to me in my life was that today I can say praise God, Scotty Mac. I don't have to say PG anymore. Uh, I've gotten over the whole, like, that weirds me out when I hear everybody continue to say praise God to me. So uh, I want to read something. That, that really uh, brings from the tragedy of 9-11 that happened to me to the horror of addiction that happened to me to a place that I've come to in my life because of the family that I have here today. And it comes from Romans 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our loving Jesus Christ, through whom all we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand in which we exalt in hope of the glory of God and this is me and I'm going to tell you this is me because 
If I didn't stand for what I'm going to read right now, I wouldn't be standing in front of you right now. I laid two days underneath the rubble at the, tw at the towers, and I prayed for God to take me. I was ready to go. I broke a hundred bones. I was a mess. And a dog barked about 30, 40 feet ahead, uh, on top of me, and I was saved. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings a, about perseverance, and perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint, because the Lord of our God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who is given to us. Can I tell you that what happened to me now has brought me to a place in my life where I looked at Tracy the other day, and God bless this woman for having to deal with me. When was the last time we felt unrooted or we felt anxious? We've heard so much about people with, with all these mental illnesses. And I looked over and I said, you know what's happened since we got baptized? This has all become true. And I want to share one instance with you. He talked about partnership. I want to say 69th Avenue in Ocotillo, two guys suited up full armor, Glendale Police Department car, crying like two babies holding on to each other, saying, I love you, man. Lights, and, lights on in the car. That doesn't just happen. You can't script that. I love Jesus because he saved my life. And the family that I have today, I no longer can tell you that not everybody's coming to my home for dinner. <laughs> well, you know what? You're all invited to my home for dinner at any point. So I just wanted to share the gospel moment that it took 15 years to get here, but I'm here, and I love Christ, and I just want to share that with you. And I love you, Tracy. I love you. So Mo says, he's buried under a bunch of rubble, and he hears something above him cry out, and he's saved. Jesus Christ works in mysterious ways, but his ways are always perfect and good, and what Mo went through on 9-11 was a shadow of what he gets to see here today. And he'll tell you if you ever have a chance to talk to this man, his life has not been easy, but it has brought him exactly where he needs to be today. And so these stories are real. And the stories that we're going to tell today are about the discipleship model of Jesus Christ. In fact, we're going to be in Acts 1. So if you want to open your Bibles, we're going to be in Acts 1. Now I'm going to, I'm going to leave you in Acts 1 before we talk a little bit, and I'm going to summarize today's question. Today's question, because our sermon title, if you, if you saw it, Unlocking his mission together as a church and as a family. Unlocking his mission together as a church and a family. And today's question is how do we together unlock Christ's mission in our church and in our family? We're going to take a journey through Acts 1, all of it, 1 through 11. The first part is called Understanding Our Equipped Mission, and that's going to lead us through verse 8. And the last three verses, 9, 10, 11, I'm calling preparing for our equipped battle. And so you can look at Mo 
as an example at the back end of what that would look like. And the reason he came up up front and why it's just so appropriate is as you're listening to what Christ is going to reveal to you in the message, you have a picture of what it looked like in this man's life. You have a picture of what it looks like in your life. Because everybody's got a story about when they came to faith. And if you don't have that story because you haven't yet come to faith in Christ, as a friend of mine said, there's a bunch of pre-Christians out there, right? If you don't have that story yet, just think about that. Think about the words I'm saying. If you have questions, come find me. Come talk to Mo. Come talk to David or, or any of the leadership team. Or, or come talk to anybody in our church that wants to share their life with you. Because that's what this is about. So to catch you guys up, last week Pastor Doug preached on 2 Timothy 4, verses 1 through 4. And I'm just going to read this to you. I want you to listen to this. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is a judge of living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. They will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. This is a war, he said, between two kingdoms. The two kingdoms, our kingdom here and the kingdom of heaven that we're looking towards. And this war is real and the battle is real. And the way we fight the battle largely determines the path we take. In humble submission and obedience, do we recognize that we need Jesus? Because when you say, I got it, I got it, I got it, you hit a wall. We fight the things we know and the truth that we should be living all the time. The upgrades to our house during quarantine to the upgrades to your family's faith life, right? The pursuit of a new and better job during this time or the pursuit of a fresh and exciting life with Christ. How about hanging on the amount of likes you get on Facebook versus hanging out with people that you may never have liked at all because the mission calls you that? How about following a celebrity, making them an influencer on Instagram or following a God that influences everything, right? We follow the path of least resistance. Pastor Doug said it last week. We live in a world where our comfort seems to be our God and we live in that kingdom, and we know this kingdom above here is where we should be, but that requires work. And I wonder if all of us were buried under the Twin Towers, what our perspective would be then. There's a clarity that comes, right? There's a clarity that comes when you face those moments. And when you make the decision for Christ, and you follow somebody that's ahead of you, you see that victory. And you feel it, and you live it, and you walk through it. And no one's immune. And we learned last week what the marks of a disciple maker look like. It takes the love of Christ, a love of his bride in the church, and a love for the people not yet shown his gift of grace. So Jesus himself gave us the model. And it's important to remember this, that we build strong disciples because Jesus did. We can choose to ignore that, and you can put aside what you've seen him do in his word, because, again, we're looking for our comfort and maybe not our compliance. But his example was of a man who came down and suffered in the same way that all of you have suffered. You say, well, Jeff, how could he possibly know what it's like to work two jobs and to be a single parent and have a disobedient kid? Or, or how, how can you know what it's like when I don't know what we're going to eat today? He does. I don't. 
read his word, he does. The answer to all those questions are, he does. Jesus did. So we don't follow a God that can't relate. We follow Jesus Christ who went through everything so that we can have the example in front of us to follow. He didn't give in to those emotions of life, and we don't need to either. So if you're in Acts 1, we'll talk about Acts for a second. In Acts, this is the time in the Bible story where Jesus had been crucified. The disciples' hopes for the earthly kingdom, remember, they were destroyed. If you remember, Peter went fishing. He's like, well, three and a half years, he's going to go fishing then, right? Just everything they thought was going to happen didn't happen. And so now, Luke is going to relate using Jesus' ascension in front of them as the broad instruction manual for what really is going to come, what their real mission was for the Holy Spirit. So read along with me. I'm going to read verses 1 through 8 in our first part. This is the word of God. The first account I, I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up to heaven after he had by the Holy Spirit given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard of from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of earth. This is the account that Luke wrote. If you go to verses 1 and 2, you can see it about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up to heaven after he had by the Holy Spirit given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. Acts starts with Luke reminding the reader that these are things that Jesus already taught. He already did as he lived his life for three years with the core group together. He already did this. He's reminding them, people, he already did these things. It isn't a new repackaged model of discipleship making. It's the same exact message. It's the explanation of the core group on the mission that they should have had, they should have recognized. So 1 and 2 reminds us of that. Verses 3 through 5 highlights the summary that Jesus gives about his deity, his mission, his authority, and his power. Again, because even after three years, they're back to this, are you here to restore the kingdom to Israel? Okay, we're just going to play this song again. Lord, you're here. So you conquered death. You rose. Heaven split. We all got sad. But you're here again. So let's go get Israel. They, they still hadn't connected it. They were sustained at the time. You gotta get this, this is huge. They're sustained the three and a half years they walked with Christ because Jesus was beside them. When Jesus was not beside them, they left. Right? Jesus comes back in the mix, beside them again, and now they're tuned in. Are you here to take us? Are you here to get your kingdom? Where are we going? Where are we going, boss? Where are we going? Where are we going? Right? 
they're excited again. Jesus is beside them. Luke is going to show us here what Jesus' words, what really is going on. Because the disciples are so confused. After their constant companionship with Jesus, with the master and his purpose, they're still confused. They wanted that physical restoration. If you look at verses 6 through 8, we're going to spend a bulk of our time in, in this area, but as we move into this, verses 6 through 8, Jesus never even answers it. He never answers the question. Let's go back to that text real quick. Verse 6 reads, So when they'd come together, they were asking him, Lord, is it at this time you're restoring the kingdom of Israel? That's the question. And you can see, you can probably guess who asked that question, right? Of the disciples. Peter's going, is it now? It, now? Is it now? And all of them are going, yeah, you ask them. Is it now? Jesus doesn't even talk about that. He is done giving them the three years of pep talk, the example, the way. He's, he's done with answering that question, right? How many times are you reading the Gospels? Oh, you foolish generation, right? Over and over again, he's just showing long-suffering and patience and kindness. Jesus was right past that in the next verse. He said to them, it's not for you to know times or epochs with the Father is fixed by his own authority. But, verse 8, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you. And he moves on, right? It says, you'll be my witnesses both in Jerusalem in all of Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of earth. So can you... Can you, can you see for a minute about the disciples and some of their confusion? And they're getting fired up again now. Now they're ready again. But before we say the things that we've always said that I've heard sitting back there, and we've heard in our church, Pastor Doug would say it too, we would want to be really hard on the disciples, right? You want to say, if, if Jesus came back and I watched him die, and he rose and appeared to me, and now he's here again, Get on the train, man. Get with the program. We want to say those things, right? Can't be too hard on them. Can't be too hard on them. We have the whole story. We have the spirit inside of us. Consider this. As a police officer, we have a pre-hire process. Pre-hire process goes you now a week, maybe to four weeks at the time. You get hired with the agency and you, you know, you, this is where you're going to be. Wear your black tie, your white shirt, your black pants. Boots better be shined. Be ready to run a lot, and we're going to yell at you. That's the first four weeks. Then they now do a 20-week police academy. So it's 20 weeks where they break you down, have an identity set, and then move forward. And after 20 weeks, there's six months of field training. Now listen to this. The field training process is the new officer and a veteran officer, a training officer, will ride with this person together in a series of four phases of increasing responsibility for the new guy, hoping they can get it right, helping provide counsel and discipleship. And then after that, there's six months of probation where as a supervisor, I look at that and I go, okay, have you learned all the things that we want you to learn? Right? So if you did the math on that, one plus two plus one, it's about a little, it's a little shy of a year, a little shy of a year. And then they spend the next three and a half years trying to figure out how to do the job we told them to do. And some of these guys that are going on there, and you know, think about your own jobs. Some of these people that have years and years and years and decades on, we always like to say uh, the, the, the funniest arrogant cops are like, I have 20 years on. No, you have two years on 10 times. 
Why does that even matter? What's the point? The point is this, right? So they, they walk with Jesus. They go through a discipleship program that's three times as long as a police officer's training, and yet everyone here, well, let's just say this, in current times, everyone in this room would believe that a police officer then is prepared to protect and serve after a year. Three and a half years, let's not be too hard on the disciples. They still had some growing to do, but they're three times more prepared than a police officer would be at the time. Okay? So now they're getting ready for the mission. So how do we jump into that mission? How do we do what the disciples are getting ready to embrace here in verse 8? We have to understand it. And so that first point, understanding our equipped mission. Believe it or not, all that was background to our first real point. Understanding our equipped mission. We're going to spend time in verse 8. So look at verse 8 for a second. Jesus is going to unlock the power box to equip the disciples for the mission in the same way that he's done since he came on earth. It reads, the first part, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now Jesus said himself in John 15, verses 26 and 27, if you're taking notes, when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me, and you will testify also, because you've been with me from the beginning. Remember how Luke started verses 1 and 2 of Acts. Now, Jesus is telling them, from the beginning it was like this, now my spirit that I spoke to you about is here. The second part, and you should be my witnesses. And you should be my witnesses. We've talked about this before, but from a, from a law enforcement standpoint, right, criminal justice, what do witnesses ever do? Well, we yell at them on the stand. That's absolutely true. Witnesses are there, they simply tell what they've seen and heard. And ultimately, we hope they're going to tell the truth, right? So witnesses are there to tell the truth. And so I work in South Glendale. I have a moderate understanding of Spanglish. And so right away in my mind, I'm like, oh, witnesses. The word for witnesses is testigo. Testigo. Sounds like testify, right? And I was all excited. I'm like, that's what, wait, that's Spanish. That's, that's not what this word means. So the English word testify comes from that Spanish word, which goes back even further and further. But what does it say, right? When you look at scripture, hear me on this, please. What does it say? What does it mean? How does it apply? And what's the context of the scripture? What's the context? Here's what witnesses means in Greek. In the language it was written, you got to get this. This is huge. This blew me away, okay? The Greek word for what Jesus tells the disciples to become after they receive power from his Holy Spirit is martyreo. Martyreo. Sound familiar? What word in English does martyreo sound like? Martyr. In your mind, connect what martyr means to you at this point. Think about that. Hold that thought in your head, and we're going to move into the third part of this verse. It's both in Jerusalem in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. Jesus is telling them, get ready, you have no idea what's coming when I unleash my power into you, a power that you can't deny, that you didn't ask for, that you didn't earn, but because my mission is my mission, you are going to have, and guess what? You're going to be ready to go. He qualifies the range. 
He says their homes, Jerusalem, their community in the world, Judea and Samaria, and, and, and really the remotest parts of the earth, everywhere they could possibly think of at the time is where he's calling them to go with his message. And so putting it all together, Jesus tells the disciples, they, listen to this, they're going to receive power to go out to their homes, their community, the world, and then die to spread his message. Amen. You on board? Now, put yourself in the disciples' minds and think about that. They're ready to go like, okay, let's go to Israel. Or we have a kingdom. You're a king. We're ready. He's like, right, you don't need to know when that's happening. By the way, I'm calling you to die. And get ready, it's coming. I'm calling you to die for my message. It's coming, and you're going to tell everybody. And as you tell everybody, you're going to die a lot. And die badly, I might add. Right? If you have an opportunity to read Fox's Book of Martyrs that my dear friend Dave Lewis let me borrow, we were reading that. We were reading a story in Fox's Book of Martyrs as a devotional in our family every night. You really want to learn about humility that Tyler prayed about? You want to learn about humility? You read about these characters of faith and what they did as they were martyred, as they were witnesses for the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's a big deal. That is, that is the big deal. So the call to discipleship that Jesus puts in our lives, and, and really the mission that he lays out for all of us in the world, we started last week by saying you need to be marked and ready and made prepared for that mission first, right? But how do we prepare together for our equipped mission as a church and in our families? So that's, that's our second point. It's the last three verses Preparing for our equipped battle. I'm going to read to you verses 9 through 11. So get back into Acts 1 and read with me verses 9 through 11. After he had said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Like that wouldn't blow you away to begin with, right? And as they were gazing intently into the sky while he was going, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. They also said, men of Galilee... Why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus, who has been taken up for you into heaven, will come in just the same way as you watched him go into heaven. Now, we've had conversations about this from the pulpit and, and even in discipleship groups before. They, I think, were ready right then. Okay, cool. We'll wait right here. Wait for him. He's going to come back down right now. That's, but... It's not a silly thing for them to believe, but he just heard, guess what? You're going to go and die. Good news, guys. Come on, kids, gather around. Let's go die. He's like, I'm going to sell this to you right now. Bye. Now they're like, if he comes back, let's wait to make sure when he comes back, because when he comes back, we have to go die. So they're really like, let's look for that. Right? And all of a sudden, boom, the two guys. Could be the two guys, the two angels that were there at the tomb. A lot of white space, extra biblical. I'm not here to talk about that, except they're there to remind exactly what God's mission and purpose is in your life. And how many times in our lives do we have people that do that, right? We find ourselves planted, and we're just looking forward or looking out and missing what God has for it. And then a brother comes alongside us and says, hey, good news. Can I talk to you for a second? Anybody ever get that? Hey, can I, can I talk to you for a second? I wonder what's coming next. 
And then I had a brother come to me and say, hey, can I ask you what this means in scripture? And we talked about it. And he made a comment, he said, yeah, I'm really struggling right now because I have this addiction problem, but I finally conquered it, and so I'm extremely excited. And I looked at him, right, I considered the disciples looking up. I looked at him, I go, yeah, I had the same addiction in college. And I'm a recovering alcoholic. From January 27, 2017 was my last drink. And this guy looked at me like, what? You? Don't let the collar shirt fool you. I'm a sinner redeemed and saved by grace in Jesus Christ, okay? And that's the truth. And so we get encouraged when people come alongside of us. And like the two angels that came alongside of the disciples, we come alongside one another. We prepare for our battle. That's coming. And the Lord is going to bring the family into the mix. That's what he does at the right time and in the right season. Jesus ascends and starts the clock on that spirit. All right, as they're saying there, after three and a half years of training, Jesus has given them a huge ecclesiastical energy drink and saying, get ready, it's coming, okay? But they still had to be pushed into action. So how many times in our own lives do we know the truth? Do you remember the story that Pastor Doug gave last week? The kingdom story, the two kingdoms we talked about up front. We had to be pushed from one kingdom into another. Paul says, why do I do the things I don't want to do, and I don't do the things I know to do? Instead, I just follow my own desires. Oh, what a wretched man am I. Who will free me from this body of death, he writes. So we constantly struggle, and we constantly need reminding. And even, I'm making a joke, I said, okay, so even going on later today, I'm going to sin later today, I'm sure, against my family, friends, and any random person that comes up, I'm going to be a vessel I'm sure the enemy can't wait to use to sin. The question is, knowing that's going to come, what am I doing about it? It means my wife and I have open and honest, transparent conversation after being together 25 years. It means that my kids are doing things, I tell them, hey man, you can't do it. Not because it offends me, because look what you're doing to what God gave you. And they're like, well, you got to bring Jesus into it. Because it's all about Jesus. Everything we do is about Jesus Christ. It is, I yell because it's important. Everything we do is about Christ. You can make it about your drive to work. It's not. It's about the story that Pastor Doug told when they're going to the Grand Canyon and they're stuck. And he's having, if you heard Pastor Doug talk, that story about the lawnmower. He's arguing with the, the lawnmower and, you know, he's mowing lawns. And Scott McAllister gets out and is like, well, somebody needs you about Jesus here. Who does that? Jesus Christ does that. I chose our calling passage, if you remember, because that's what Philip did. Philip was not on that road. The Spirit said, mm, yeah, no, he's actually going back, so we should put you, boom, right here. He's like, all right, I guess I'll go talk to this guy. Like, that wouldn't weird you out anyway. There's no talk about the fact you were literally Star trek from one place to another. Kids, Star Trek is, um, whatever. I won't get into that. You were transported from one spot to another. And you go then and recognize, I'm going to share Jesus with you. Do you know what you're reading? Oh, luckily, I'm reading about Jesus in Isaiah. That's lucky. How do I know unless I have someone teach me is what the eunuch said. How do I know unless someone teaches me? Look at the church and our family together. So we're going to look at those two options of how you can engage. And we'll explore the church first. So let's look at the church at Cornerstone, just here. Nine years We've been a place where the word of God 
is held high in supremacy. Men and women have been trained in theology, doctrine, application. Groups of people within our walls have banded together, forming lifelong friendships and support networks. We have been trained for nine years by the master, and now we need to engage in the battle. We've been trained. It's not time for us to be looking up anymore. Time for us to engage in the battle. The mission that Jesus laid out was not just for the, the, the good part of town in North Peoria or for those people. It's when we go down to Rob Reed's house at 67th and Ocotillo, two blocks away from where Mo and I were bawling like babies, and you should have seen old Frank Reagan there, nah, crying over his mustache. It's when we go down and talk to Rob Reed, and he says, hey, I think we're going to pray with this group of people. By the way, the group of people that I just arrested the day prior. I'm like, ooh, I don't think they're going to want me to pray with them, bro. And we had this huge evangelistic moment. And by show of hands, look around the room. Who sat in Rob Reed's house? Brian, John, raise your hand. If you sat in Rob Reed's house during that time, we prayed. We went down there to pray as a family, walking in the parking lot where all the lights were out, by the way, because they do that. They just blow the lights out so they can do bad things. True story, ask the guys who raise their hands. We come out of Rob Reed's apartment, all the lights in the parking lot are on. Rob says, whoa, the lights are on. I went, so somebody had the SRP card, and they just, he's like, no, no, no. They shot the lights out. How were they on? And we just stopped, like the disciples, and went, just seeing a group of people that were just sweaty and crying, some of us heavily armed, and looking up at these lights that were on that were not able to function. They should not have functioned. They were literally shot out. True story. Has everything to do with the power of prayer in Jesus Christ and who we're praying to and why we're engaging in that mission. Last week, Scotty referenced the Greek word for church, ekklesia. Ekklesia, which literally means the called out ones. So we're the ones that are called out to the purpose that Jesus Christ is laying out here in verse 8. So, with all that, are you ready to be martyreo for the mission? I mean, are, are you, if today, Kyle's been on some mission trips, right? Is Kyle ready to be martyreo? You look at Kyle and he'd say, yeah, yeah, I'm ready. Because I know whom I believed. And his promise is better than the promise of a bank account or title or any of that. So, we haven't talked about it yet, but look at the handouts on your table. Take a look at some of the things that are there. The slides last week are going to come up again. And as Kendall relates them, it's going to be on the mission, vision, and values. And you can spend a, just a, a two or three seconds on the slides, preach one. You'll see it on the table. There's the mission, uh, values, and vision of our church on the table. If you don't have one, you can look at our website and check it out because we, we post what we're about right there. Grab one of the handouts. There's also a commitment and calling sheet. So if you look, you'll see exactly what we're going to be doing through the fall. This gives you the one church, one mind, one spirit, one purpose, one mission reading through the Gospel of Matthew. This is our D-group plan of attack. There's also going to be some, some Zoom midweek check-in information. I'm going to be running a, a, a Zoom meeting on Thursday nights from 6.30 to 7.30. And we're going to talk about some of the guiding questions as a church, one hour, power hour. Going to get real with it. Look at the tools that we've left on the table also. 
If you don't have a copy of the Master Plan of Evangelism and the workbook put together, take a copy with you. There's some stuff at the info table. I think there's one book left over there. There's some workbooks over there. If you want a copy and they're gone, see me. It, we'll buy more, okay? We're going to use that to kind of just flavor our discussions in our D groups. There's a small green book on the table. It's green. You can't miss it. So everybody can see it. Hold it up high. Oh, there you go. See? It's a small green book on the table. It's called Why Should I Join a Church? Mark Dever. In leadership, we read this. Okay? Think about the mission of Christ. Think about the partnership that he had with his disciples three and a half years. Think about what they did. Think about some of these sermons, and we're not going to get into them in Acts, but think about the entire birth of the church. Think about in Thessalonica, the growth of the church. Think about who it was that were named the called out ones. It was those who belonged to the church. And how do we know you belong? How do you know if you belong? Read this book. It's a short read, but it's a doozy. If you have questions, you can get a hold of me or anybody on the leadership team, and we'll, we'd love to walk through that with you as well. These continue to be great resources to understand how the mission of Jesus, the mission, is caught in the purpose, connection with a local church. That's why we spend time on this. It's the connection with our local church fulfills the mission of Christ. Now, as a church, we've been trained to engage together in the war between two kingdoms, show victory that the bride of Christ has, and those are all good things. Now look at your family. Second half of this, we had church. Now we're really driving it in and compacting. Now Tyler had this great, he's just like, Argh! and just taking the stuff and making it really distilled. This is, this is the diamond stuff here because it's about your family. We have never made any kind of excuses for holding high the supremacy of the word of God and family. We have a family deacon. That's Daniel Sidler. If you have questions about anything about the family, you talk to anyone in our church, but that's Daniel's deal. It's all of our deal. That's his hope, is that we recognize our families should matter. And you take the word of God and you bring it into your family and you give those complete energetic shots. Man, that's power. As a Christian, you press into your faith in Jesus, but you don't do it alone. You do not do it alone. It doesn't bring God glory. So how are you becoming more in the image of Christ? If you're in a family, I'm going to tell you something. He's allowing the polishing of your character and spirit through the interactions with one another, right, to refine you by fire. I say this as I'm teaching my oldest to drive. Okay, we're refining a lot of interactions with fire, not real fire. Praise God, right? We're being refined into his image so that our family can see us like that. So our school can see us be like that, even with masks on. So our workplace can see us be like that. So our neighborhood can see us be like that. Jesus Christ, you want to talk about problems of wearing a mask? I say, okay, somebody tell me what Jesus Christ looked like carrying his cross up to his crucifixion. Because his face was unrecognizable. He was beaten, stabbed, beaten again, spit on, covered in dried everything, eyes shut, bloody. You couldn't recognize his face, and people are saying, well, I can't interact with somebody because I'm wearing a mask. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Jesus Christ is your light. Jesus Christ can be your witness, even with a mask.
if you're a spouse, a son, a daughter, a step anything, father, child, this group in your family is your first assignment. It's what God called you to. Nothing's going to stop the mission of Christ from crashing the gates of hell. And the thing is, when you're on that train, your family is the private car, man. Your family's that car and that train. That's what he gave us. Doxes will be here. Kennedys will be right next to them over here. We're all connected on that train through the Spirit, and we're going to crash through the gates of hell. Amen? Because that's what a family does. And that's why we use family. Because we're friends that are family on that train, on mission as a church, for Jesus Christ. That's the point. So how can you tighten up your family for battle? We've had many godly men stand in front of you. And many godly messages giving you the answer. So I'm not going to tell you anything new. But let me remind you what Christ reminded his disciples. Pray with and be with each member of your family every day. Pray with and be with each member of your family every day. I recently got to change schedules. So now I get to be home seven days a week at night. Some of you may say, well, yeah, because work's over, I go home. In the police officer world, I'm looking around some of my cop buddies, we just go, there's significant others and families. Do you appreciate having your loved one that's a cop home every night? Yeah. Seven years I was, have, I was working a shift where I was not home four nights a week. Seven years. This is the first three weeks I've been home every single night. And every, I know, amen, right? And every morning, my wife and I get up really early, and we have a chance to pray together every morning. We've been together 25 years. We've been married 23. That has never happened in 25 years. So praise God that we can get up every morning, and we spent literally every day praying together and reading God's Word. And there were no kids that were awake because it was really early, so we could have actual adult conversation, yeah? It was beautiful, right? The second thing, be the space and example. Be the space and example for others around you. Let your family see you in God's word. Let them see you reflecting on things. When my kids come down, when my youngest Luke will come down the stairs, right? This is a beautiful story. I love it. There was a time he came down. He was all sleepy-eyed. I was wondering if he was going to make down the stairs. And he does this, right? I'm sitting over here on the table where I always spend time reading my Bible. He does this. He goes, hey, Dad. He didn't even look to see if, hey, Dad was over there. Why? Because he knew the example was that I was going to be there when he came down. That's what I do. What does dad do? Dad's at the table reading the Bible when I get woke up. So, of course, I'm going to go, hey, dad. He didn't even know it. He may have missed a step on the way down, too, but he caught himself because he's a pretty cool kid. But it hit me. I just stopped. I'm like, man, my child just believes in the fact that my example is going to be right here. And what if it isn't one day? What if it isn't? You know? He has something in his room. It's a picture of a lion. Aslan, right? Narnia, very Christian. Aslan. And it says, you never know who's watching the example you're following. He's looking down, and his little tiny cub, like consider like the baby Yoda of lions, right? Looking up at the dad, and he's just looking down at him. You never know who's watching your example. And you, with your big lion mane, not even may see them around you, but they're watching us, People are watching to see what happens. Debbie's prayer, I loved it because she's just honest and saying, I'm having a struggle and I'm confessing, but people are watching how she's responding and 
through the mouth of her child, the spirit, who was the same spirit in that family, says, Ma, really? She's like, yep, still human, still need to be forgiven. Praise Jesus for that, right? So we know we're going to pray and spend time with each other. We know we're going to be the space and example for each other. We're going to schedule time throughout the week. Like I said, we have our D groups. We're going to have this Thursday midweek check-in. I want to give you guys here a couple minutes. So we're going to, we're wrapping up here. I'm going to wrap you up with this table talk question that we wrote. Our prayers leadership team as a church, and really individually for you all when we pray for you guys, is that you're willing to live as a martyr for Christ. That you're sold out and unashamed at home. That you're free with who you are and who God's called you to be at work and anywhere else he places you. And that you seek ways to be the mission to the world that needs Jesus. So I want you to spend as a table about three minutes or so, and I want you to think about this question. It'll be up on the screen. How would you begin to walk in a discipleship relationship with someone in or out of your home and then invite someone to walk with you as you disciple them? So consider that question as a table, and we'll come back and, and end the message in about three minutes or so. Okay, so as we walk around tables, I'm listening to conversations. We're having them, and we're talking about relationships, right? I hope you guys at some point, if someone said, you can't just be on a list of people. Yes, now I will share the most intimate, transparent, wonderful things in life with you. What's your name again? That's not okay. 
And when you force those things, traditionally that is a, a product of this kingdom and not of this kingdom. Being intentional in relationships with your family leads you being intentional in relationships with others. And so, taking us back to our passage, right, when they're looking up and they're waiting, the angels are saying, get after it. You know your mission and you know what's coming. You need to take that next step. So, as we close, I'm going to invite the music team back up for a song of response before we go into communion. Okay, but listen, the question of the day, the question of the day that we were trying to unpack was how do we together unlock Christ's mission in our church and in our family? And you remember that path through the passage, we have to understand our mission and we have to prepare for the battle. You can read a lot of books on the side. We have a couple of them on the table. They're good books. But you need to read the Bible, which is the good book. There's nothing that we are going to miss by reading the Bible. Jesus gives us that example. And you know the story of Acts. You know what's coming. When Pentecost hits, in the rush, that was like the microburst we had the other day. Everybody stopped. Did Walmart really just blow away? And it almost did? That's what's happening in the, their hearts. It's coming. Jesus saying, get ready. Get ready to go die. Because that matters. It's the only thing that matters. And because I stand in front of you, as a broken man who's redeemed and loves Jesus Christ, I know that I believe Jesus Christ matters. I can't wait to tell someone about him today. So at that end, let's pray. Father God, thank you that your path is the perfect path. And it may take 66 books in the Bible to just show me in my heart that it leads up to the cross of Christ and then your mission after that. It's all about Jesus. I pray, Lord, that in my next 45 years of life, you make them twice as productive for the sharing of the gospel as my first 45, and that my children find safety in being who you call them to be in our home so that they can provide safety in this place that you call your bride a cornerstone. And Lord, I pray that the people that hear my words today, they heard that the Spirit is alive. The Spirit connects that train. And you're the one who's leading it right down to the gates of hell, Lord. So thank you, Jesus, for who you were, for who you are, and certainly for who you will be. And we love you. Amen. As I was reading this morning these scriptures that we went over, God stopped me right on the part that talked about how the Holy Spirit gives us power. And it just hit me like a brick. And I prayed, Lord, I want to feel that power. I want to feel that power every day as a mom, as a wife, as I interact with this lost and dying world. And often I don't feel that power. I feel stopped. I feel trapped in my words. I feel unraveled. 
And the Lord so sweetly took me to 2 Corinthians 12. And here was the answer. I'm going to fast forward you. Paul is talking about an ailment or a disease that he struggled with, a thorn in his flesh that constantly irked him and made him feel like he was ill-equipped to do the job and carry out the mission that God had given him. And he says, even though I've received such wonderful revelations from God, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I said, I begged God to take it away. And he says, and he says to us, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is all you need and my power works best in your weakness. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him, how I've proved Him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more tis so sweet to trust in jesus just to take him at his word just to rest upon his promise just to know thus saith the lord so sweet to trust in Jesus just from sin and self to cease just from Jesus simply taking life and rest and joy and peace Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I prove him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more.
so glad I learned to trust Thee, precious Jesus, Savior, friend. And I know that Thou art with me. You will be with me to the end. And I know that Thou art with me. Will be with me to the end. That song, Jesus being with us to the end, what better way to bring us into a communion time of response? The time of communion is set up so that we can remember what they just sang about. So I'll invite the people that are serving communion to come up. They're going to pass around two cups, maybe some bread and some juice. And then as a church, we will take our communion together. Consider that everything ever built, ever, had to come from somewhere and with some things. And don't forget me up here too. Thank you. So as Jesus and his spirit and his father were in heaven, together, in the Trinity, they desired to build that unbreakable bond with their people so that those people, us, could live in glory and worship him them forever together was always the plan together the church made up of families together is infinitely stronger than the individual parts and to build what Christ wanted to do the father in heaven had to get those materials from somewhere with some things So he gave his son a hammer and three nails and said, Son, I love you and I need you to build a bridge. Here are all the tools you'll need and I'll see you soon. Love, Dad. It's okay that I get choked up on that. It's hanging in my wall at home and it's together. The communion that we're going to celebrate remembers that together, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit reached down and built up that bridge through Jesus to bring his bride, us, home. So it's written in Matthew that while they were eating, Jesus took some bread, and after a blessing, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take eat this is my body so let's take the bread they continue in Matthew 
And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. So take the cup and remember what Jesus did to bring us to himself. Father God, if we only ever did this forever and ever, it would be more than enough. And yet instead, you tell us to come broken and be made healed. You come saying, you don't understand, but I'm going to show you. We come alone and you bring us together. Lord, we come ready to serve and you give us your power and your mission. And Lord, for that I say amen. Thank you for what you chose to do on the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for being a God that loves us enough to give us yourself for that payment. And all God's people said, amen. So you guys want to stand with us while we sing this song? We taught this to you a couple weeks ago, so we're excited to do it again. Come all you weary, come all you thirsty, come to the well that never runs dry. Drink of the water, come and thirst no more. Come all you sinners, come find his mercy, come to the table, he will satisfy. Taste of his goodness, find what you're looking for. For God so loved the world that he gave us, his one and only Son to save us, whoever believes in him will live forever. Bring all your failures, bring your addictions, come lay them down at the foot of the cross. Jesus is waiting there with open arms. For God so loved the world that he gave us, his one and only son to save us, whoever believes in him will live forever the power of hell forever defeated now it is well i'm walking in freedom for god so loved god so loved the world praise god praise god from whom all blessings flow Praise Him, praise Him, for the wonders of His love. Praise God, praise God, from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, praise Him, for the wonders of His love. His amazing love, for God so loved. The world that he gave us is one and only.
son to save for God so loved the world that he gave us his one and only son to save us whoever believes in him will live forever the power of hell forever defeated now it is well I'm walking in freedom for God so loved God so loved the world a few announcements are you serving Jesus by serving his bride? Think about that question. We can really use help in the areas of setting up and running the video projection system. If you have questions about that, let me know, let Cambria Morris know, let Doug know, anybody up here, we'd love to hear from you. We also need some help tearing down and putting away the tables and chairs each week. Uh, let Jeff Abney or Doug know if you're, if you're interested. Be sure that you get your D group reading plan for our fall groups and take one for a friend. Connecting with others in and out of the family to walk with on this journey with Jesus. Readings and groups start the week, um, a week from tomorrow. Next week to kick off our D groups and start our new series in Jonah, we will have hot dogs and chips for the service. So plan to stay and bring a friend. And next week, again, we're gonna be teaching out of Jonah. Doug is gonna teach running in the wrong direction. Our sending passage, Matthew 28. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You're dismissed. For God so loved the world that he gave us, his one and only son to save us. Whoever believes in him will live forever. The power of hell forever defeated, now it is well. I'm walking in freedom for God so loved, God so loved the world.